0: Hello and welcome to another edition of the Standig Room Podcast. Yes, I'm your host, Ben Standig. I cover the Washington Commanders for The Athletic. It's Tuesday at night. Hope everyone is doing well. So I'll hear on this Super Bowl week, a fun episode for you, tackling a couple of different uh, sports, I should say. First off, uh, thanks to everybody for checking out the podcast. If you are not yet a subscriber, I encourage you. To hit subscribe, whether you're on iTunes, Spotify, uh, anywhere you do your podcasting, you can all listen. also listen ad-free on The Athletic. Subscribe there. You can listen to the podcast, read all my stuff, and so on. On this episode, here's what I've got for you. Our friend Brad Spielberger from Pro Football Focus joins me. Uh, obviously, Brad is a guy we bring on whenever we want to talk about salary cap or contracts or things like that. So, of course, we'll talk about Duran Payne and get Brad's view of where things stand with the defensive tackle market and Washington's realistic and best options for Daron Payne. But we also got into a bunch of other uh, factors with regards to the salary cap. What about the players who are still under contract? And what about their situation going forward? Who are potential cap cuts? Who is Who are players that are worthy of getting uh, – restructures. There's also, of course, the potential for extensions, whether you're talking about Cam Curl or Montez Sweat. So there's a lot to get into there. We got into all of it with Brad. I think you will enjoy that conversation. And then we'll get a little bit later. The NBA trade deadline is almost here. And I really haven't discussed the NBA in a while, in part because I've been busy, as, as you might guess, with the football uh, team in town. So our pal Fred Katz Used to be here on the Wizards beat, now covers the Knicks for the Athletic. Join me. Uh, we, we talked about a, a, a lot of NBA, the Kyrie Irving trade. Uh, Fred kind of updated me on where we are with the league as a whole um, at this point in the year. And then, of course, we talked a bunch about the Wizards, where they stand. Not so much what they will or won't do at the trade deadline, but more to the point of <laughs> kind of what they're just doing overall. Uh, got Fred's view on uh, the, the, the team, Bradley Beal, Denny uh, Avdia, Kyle Kuzma, and others. So uh, a fun one all the way around. And if you're a Wizards fan, hopefully you stick around all the way through that. Um, I, I'm going to just sort of call it there other than to say, you know, again, appreciate everybody for checking out the podcast. Uh, my goal is to have another episode this week ahead of the Super Bowl to get into that a little bit. Um, beyond that, you know, they're not not, not a ton different since we, I was with you uh, at the beginning of the week. Uh, Nikki Jabvala from the Washington Post joined me to recap things we uh, saw at the Super Bowl, at Super Bowl, at the Senior Bowl, as well as go through a bunch of different commanders topics, particularly with the offensive coordinator search. I will just note on that front, today the Tennessee Titans announced that they have hired Charles London, who was one of the people Washington interviewed for the O.C. job. As you know, I never considered him really for the job because he, was to me, was in the bucket of the, of the non-experienced O.C. candidates, which does not seem likely to me. Also, he had options, as evidenced by the fact that Tennessee uh, brought him over. So, multiple reasons why I didn't really consider Charles London, but nonetheless, they did interview him. Tennessee also announced... Chris Harris joining them for a role in on their defense. I guess it's, I guess he's going to go to Tennessee. Still seems like he could end up with another team if for a defensive coordinator position. But as we've discussed before, he's out at Washington, no matter what. And Tennessee is today saying he will be joining their staff. So uh, Chris Harris did a really good job here. Enjoyed talking to him when I had those opportunities and uh, we'll see what Washington does. Officially, it seems as if they will uh, promote from within or divvy up Harris's responsibilities among a few people, but we will see when that comes down to pass. Uh, I'm sure I am forgetting something, but we're going to go forward here because we've got a lot to get to with these conversations. Uh, so let's get to it. We'll start off with Brad Spielberger breaking down the commander's various free agents, potential cap cuts, the salary cap as a whole. And we'll also, of course, we talked about the quarterback market uh, as well. And then we'll get to my guy, Fred Katz, talking about the Wizards and the NBA here at the trade deadline. Uh, but we'll get to all that here on the standard room only podcast. All right. We're in the NFL off season, which means it's getting close to talking about free agency and other salary cap related moves that teams are going to have to make who better. I mean, look, if I'm going to bring this up, you know, who I'm bringing onto the podcast, the uh, unofficial salary cap guru for the uh, standard room only podcast. He is Brad Spielberger with pro football focus at Brad underscore PFF on Twitter. My guy, how are you?
1: I'm great. How you doing?
0: I'm good. I, I didn't see you at the senior bowl this year. It was, uh, was was looking for you. As, as I've already said on my last podcast, it was a weird senior bowl this year. It didn't feel like there were a lot of, I mean, there were tons of people there and they had more credentials issued than like ever. But, like, you know, through the people in the know from coaches, GMs on down, including folks like yourself. I feel like it was a little less vigorous. Uh, is that the right word? Probably not. A little, 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 little less uh, uh, activity going on this year. So, you know, so you were missed is all I'm saying.
1: Well, I appreciate it. Yeah, I feel like it's becoming more and more just pure draft analysts and folks that are very specifically, at least for us at PFF. You know, we're sending our top college scouts um, to those events. So... I wouldn't say I was sad to not being Mobile. I was actually close by in New Orleans uh, this weekend, which I think is maybe a bit of a better time than, than Mobile, Alabama. <laughs> a, a,
0: a, a little bit. That's the oh, thing, right? With, okay. with the with the East West Shrine Game in Vegas, and I had a chance to go to sort of cover that and the pro and the Pro Bowl a little bit, and um, obviously I didn't. I didn't go, but watching from far, I was like, Ugh. huh. But Mobile, Mobile's is a lovely place. Lovely place.
1: Lovely place. Um.
0: So, of course, you know, we're, we're, we've got some time before we get to free agency, but you know, soon enough, teams are going to have to start making calls on what they're going to do with players on their roster from a salary cap perspective. They're already having to have conversations about what they think the market will be for some of their own free agents. Who do they want to bring back and things like that? So, I wanted to bring you on to talk about. The commanders, because actually, you know, we've had you on previous times to do this exact thing. It feels like this time, though, there's actually a lot. It feels like there's more in play for them on on these fronts. There's obviously the Duran Payne angle from the from the pure free agent side. But even in terms of the guys on the roster, uh, in terms of like, are they going to get cut? Do they need to renegotiate? It feels like there's a lot more in play. Just broadly, we'll get to some specifics. What's your view of Washington going to this offseason season? How healthy do they look from a cap perspective? Just in general, were you kind of out of Washington?
1: Yeah, so outside of the Carson Wentz move, they were pretty, you know, cheap or fiscally responsible, however you want to, you know, couch it last offseason. I want to say the second fewest total guarantees given out to free agents. Um, Obviously extended some important players internally, like Terry McLaurin, but didn't go out and spend a ton. And so they are still, especially if slash when, they move on from Carson Wentz, do have a lot of flexibility. But I also think they do need to kind of, Turn over this roster a bit. I like think they extended a, a handful of older players that had, you know, important rotational contributions and stuff like that. But probably now are not going to be playing up to the caliber of their contract, um, which I think could lead to a lot of maybe just pay cuts and not true cuts. Um, but th- there are decisions to be made across this roster, no question. All
0: right. Well, I'll, I'll I'll give dealers choice here. Would you rather talk first about the free agents, or would you rather talk first about? Decisions are going to have to make with players who will st- who are still on the roster.
1: Let's start with the roster, and then we'll get into free agency and all that fun stuff. All
0: right. So, uh, uh, that like you know, we're we're, we're going to assume, call me crazy if you want, we're going to assume they're going to they're going to release Carson Wentz. Uh, just call me crazy. So, that's a huge number off the bat. You know, a twenty six million dollar cap hit for this year. Carson Wentz mo- moving on. We'll, we'll, I may come back to him later, but we'll move on. for 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 now and i'm just going down the list of the cap number i'm not suggesting that these people will be will be released but then you look at say the the third highest cap hit for washington this year is curtis samuel 13 million dollars curtis samuel had a pretty good year last year right um you know despite whatever was going on with the offense and the quarterback changes and, and all that stuff he's also one of three receivers who are all really good on a team that made it very clear they want to run the ball a lot which isn't to say they're going to run it two to one it's just to say they have a lot invested at receiver and they need a new, you know, they need upgrades at offensive line and some other spots. Curtis Samuel, if you release him 5.8 million in cap savings, again, not saying they should, but it's something you at least have to consider for the, and by the way, he was good last year, but he wasn't like, his stats are like unbelievable. It wasn't like he was like incredibly, you know, nobody's gonna look at his stats and go, why didn't he make the pro bowl or anything? So from your perspective, what do you look at with a guy like Curtis Samuel? Good player, effective player, playmaker at times, can do a lot of things, but does cost a lot of money out of spot. You already have Terry McLaurin, Jahan Dotson at least.
1: You know what's funny is I think we often talk about and hear about the inverse of what I'm going to talk about with Curtis Samuel, which is, okay, there's a bunch of talent available in free agency at X position. And so a team that has a player on their roster and says, look, we have – you know this guy who's about to make know, five million dollars, and we think we could cut him and go sign a replacement for him for three million. On the flip side, as crazy as this may sound, Curtis Samuel might be the best available free agent wide receiver if if the if the Commanders cut him. Like that's that's how weak this free agency class is at wide receiver. That might be hyperbolic, but I think he would comfortably in the top be in the top five. I mean, Jacoby Myers is our number one free agent wide receiver. Um, and he's a former undrafted guy who is a good player, but not a special talent by any means so Who
0: also made the biggest mistake perhaps in nfl history with that uh <laughs> yeah. pass in overtime
1: <laughs> not a great lateral not a great lateral guy you want to catch the ball and run forward for decoy myers but uh <laughs> yes yeah that, that maybe not the great lasting image of his season but no but a good player no question but yeah i mean undrafted guy around a 4 6 which yes is ancient history and all those things but you know samuel an early second rounder um you know has had some good play when he gets healthy is able to be productive so you know i think that is the argument though is his deal is not small but it's now in the landscape of the wide receiver market i mean i'm, I'm not have in front of me he's probably not even a top 30 paid wide receiver at this point so you know he's not even making number 1 money if you want to say you know, the top 32 guys number ones um for that reason i think he sticks around and also just look ron rivera still clearly runs this show or at least for the time being Um, And he obviously is a, you know, former Panther with Ron and now came over to Washington. I I think he'll be on the team next year. No question.
0: Um, Okay. And then also to your point about Rivera, like, you know, we're calling this a kind of a a must win year for him, or at least it feels like that way. Not even just because of the ownership uncertainty, but, you know, he hasn't had a winning record yet in Washington. So you don't want to lose talent. You've already factored in. You want to, you want to keep it now. It didn't ask you about extending him. This is the last year of Curtis Samuel's deal, but I will ask you that. Or, or it, there's extending. There's also, I mean, restructuring. We'll, we'll we'll do some of that right now here with you know, the fourth highest paid cap number, and that is Charles Leno at twelve point five million. Leno's deal extends through twenty twenty four. His dead money is four point five million. They would save eight million by moving on from him. Now, this is an offensive line that needs a big overhaul. I've been kind of saying like, but he's like the one spot where you're like, okay, look, he's not Jacoby, he's not Lachey, he's not Chris Samuel, but or Trent Williams, but you know, solid guy. And when you have so many other holes, maybe you don't want to move on from that. But nonetheless, that's a a big number, twelve point five million for a guy who's good but not all pro. What do you What do you do here? Cut, restructure. What What would you do uh, here?
1: I think he's a potential restructure candidate. You know, this was a pretty flat deal uh, in terms of he didn't have a massive signing bonus on his extension, you know, in the middle of that first year he comes over, gets the three-year deal. So, I don't think you're afraid to maybe restructure here, push some money from 2023 into 2024 to create some space. I agree with you. I think not so much the market, but more so just you you have kind of this this offensive line that is a little bit in flux, you know, the entire interior – has been kind of, you know, in and out and dealing with injuries and, and poor performance and various things. And then obviously, you know, on the right side, you've had Sam Cosme and, and, and Cornelius Lucas and kind of, you know, again, you're trying to just get some guys settled at a spot, ensure that they are long-term starters at that spot or at least multi-year starters. Um, and, and I think Leno's a good anchor to kind of build off of. So, yeah, maybe a potential restructure here. Um, you know, it's not a small number. Uh, and he, you know, he had some some missed plays this year no questions. Some negatives, I think, get highlighted um, I, I think he is a solid tackle, though, uh, and worth the money he's getting paid right now.
0: Maybe I'm putting you two on the spot with this, but like if I said, okay, so let's restructure this deal. What, what? Uh, you know, obviously, we don't know what his his uh, hopes and dreams are, but what's your just basic thought as to what something like that could look like?
1: Yeah, so you clear about four million dollars. So, so you, you you take his salary for this year, drop it. To, it's a nine point two five million. Drop it down to the minimum, and then basically split that in half. I mean, if you wanted to get him to add void years to the, to the contract to make it even more. I, I wouldn't go there. I don't need to be that drastic. And just a quick point on Curtis Samuel, um, you know, when, when the team signed him, they had void years on the back end of this deal and they haven't restructured him yet. So you'd have to think in their mind with Curtis Samuel saying, well, let's have these void years in case we want to do a restructure. Um, and you have that in place to do it. So not the case with Leno. I think you just do a straightforward, maybe just move a little bit of money around. If you do want to go out, be more aggressive and spend, or if you need to fit, you know, the $19 million franchise tag for Deron Payne, um, so on and so forth, you, you, you clear a little bit of room there. All
0: right. Uh, next on the list, Chase Ruye at $12.42 million cap number, $8.1 million dead money, $4.32 million in savings. So this is the... The inverse of Leno, from a money standpoint, you're not you're not actually saving that much relative to how much the dead cap is. On the other hand, look, I mean, Ruye missed 15 games this year with a knee injury, on top of missing half of last year with a significant uh, leg and ankle uh, injuries that, you know, he did start this year, started the first two games, but there was, you know, we had to sort of work his way quickly back in to that mode. Ron Rivera and Martin Mayhew at the end of the year talked about how their center position's been nuts with injuries. They've had to use four different centers in each of the last two years. They need to fix that. To me, that sounds like Chase Rouye could be gone, but like I said, it's not it's it's a good number to save, but you're also got that dead number there. How do you look at a situation like that?
1: For me, he is a prime pay cut guy. And I think center is also a position where you see this a lot, where you can you can leverage, frankly, the weak market that is. I mean, at this point, the center market is basically the weakest market. In the NFL for ignoring, you know, special teams players and whatnot. So we've seen it in years past, even with good players like a Mitch Morris in Buffalo two years ago now, they get him to negotiate a pay cut. And we've seen this across the NFL with, you know, older centers that like are still good, you know, you know, signal callers can help maybe a young quarterback or just a new quarterback to run the offense obviously there will be some offensive changes with the departure of Scott Turner, but, but nevertheless, that for me strikes, like you said, it's not a ton of savings. They kind of have paraded this deal a little bit already. Um, For me, you say, look, we're not going to pay you $8 million, $8.3 million, you know, for a guy who's played what 600 snaps the last two years combined. Uh, but we do want you here. You are a good player when healthy. Let's, let's chop that number in half down to 4 million, but we'll have some incentives so you can earn all of that back or a lot of that back. But it gives us some more flexibility, some more protection. And again, we'll tie it to snaps. And if you miss time again, you know, we're protected on that end. So that one, I think, is the best approach there for me. All
0: right. That's interesting. Yeah. I hadn't, I mean, in my head, the the pay cut never seems to be a thing because if nothing else, like ego gets in the way for all all these athletes over time. I'm not saying Chase, I'm not saying Chase Rui specifically, but just in general. So that's interesting. But you're right. If they release him, he's not getting, I, I don't know what. he's not getting anything close to this and not, not even close probably to the, to the half number that you just said. So that does make that an interesting deal. And from Washington's perspective, they don't have another uh, easy option. The the backup Tyler Larson, they were six, one and one last year when Larson started, but he's also been hurt at the end of the year, two years in a row and 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 as an actual free agent. So we'll see where that goes. All right, here's the one. I think is pretty interesting. Kendall Fuller. 11.625 million. He's the sixth highest cap number on the team. Uh, By the way, the only one who I have not said who's going to stay is John Allen at 21. Other than that, and with Wentz, the top six guys are in some way in play. So Kendall Fuller's deal, dead money, 3.125 million, savings 8.5. He's their best corner. I'm not going to even debate that. He's He's developed in one of the better corners in the league and all that. Maybe there's a debate about moving him inside of the slot, but okay, put that, put that aside. I don't think you can let him go, but again, that number is pretty sizable and it does seem like a kind of guy you'd want to keep around. He's not old or anything. So feels like as the uh, layman here, this would be a good restructure or extension situation, but you tell me, what do you see here with a Kendall Fuller kind of deal?
1: Yeah. I think it's a, it's a no brainer extension conversation actually ties into a little bit of what you just said, I'm not getting into the weeds of where you're going to play him next year, but the fact that you've already seen him play in the slot, play a little bit of safety, you do a lot of different things. Look, I think he's still going to be your outside corner for the next couple of years, but I think you're more comfortable giving him a three, four a year new deal. And maybe if he does lose a step or, or ages in a certain way, you are saying, OK, maybe we can put him back on the inside or maybe we feel comfortable playing him at safety, which we've seen from some older corners over the last couple of years. You know, they are, or, you know, so for me, he's an extension candidate. Um, you know, it's not a strong cornerback class free agency either, really. Uh, there's a lot of older guys. There is the list of young players is pretty much three guys. It's Jamel Dean in Tampa Bay, uh, Rocky Sin in Las Vegas and Byron Murphy in Arizona. I think he's better than man Jamel Dean's a good player, but you know, I, I think he would, again, would be the second best cornerback on the market, arguably maybe even the best cornerback on the market. So for me, he is a no brainer extension candidate. And if you want to clear cap room with that extension, you certainly can.
0: Um, Yeah, that's interesting. And I will just mention for what it's worth, Kendall Fuller and Daron Payne are repped by the same agent. Just gonna, just gonna mention that tight end Logan Thomas, uh, okay, 8.675 million dollar cap number. Um, uh, so after four, we got Montez Sweat, McLaurin, Chase Young, then Logan Thomas. 3.5 is dead money, which means they would save 5.175 million. Uh, this is all over uh, per over the cap, I should have said. Um, Brad likes that website as well. All right, so boy, I look, Logan Thomas is a great guy in the locker room. That 2020 season, he was a revelation. He is he he got had the the knee injury that took him out in 2021 that seemed to slow him up a bit this year never quite got going we can debate whether that was the quarterbacks that's not looking his way they also have a bunch of other receivers and running backs to get the ball to and it just felt like he was like still like banging the rust off of him of his body until the very end maybe he re- reverts to form but even if he does to that 2020 form but even if he does is a pretty good amount, especially when you can save that. So to me, kind of screams like a cap cut, but I leave it to you. What what do you think about Logan Thomas? Because you're also looking at the whole market as well.
1: Yeah, like you said, great story. Led the NFL among tight ends and snaps in that revelation year. Um, Honestly, I think he got a great deal. Three years, 24 or so for him, I thought was a great value just because you were buying an older player with a small sample size, yeah he's either taking a significant pay cut or, or getting cut um uh, you mentioned three receivers john bates also not really a receiver yet in his career more of a blocker but a good young player a tight end um at least you know, you're know you not bearing a, a, on the roster if you lose uh thomas so yeah he, he will not be back on that contract next year
0: and they like armani rogers and cole turner um you know armani rogers the the to be go from a college quarterback to the very next year playing tight end in the nfl and like he was the only tight end that tight end they had healthy for a while. Only had five receptions, but you know if anybody was watching, we saw there's some potential there. I think they see it as well. I don't know what that potential leads to. Perhaps it leads to them saying we can move on from Logan Thomas, add a veteran type guy to, to help you know fill in some of the gaps and kind of go from there. I also think this is a pretty good tight end class from the draft, so perhaps they go there. Um, all right, next one, Bobby McCain. Safety, uh, and he played. They they switched him over to essentially the nickelback role last, uh, late last year. 5.12 million dollar cap hit, 2.8 million dead money, 2.32 cap savings. So, kind of a 50 a 50 there. Um, you know, this one kind of in some level gets into like, well, what do they have? You know, at, at the position, you actually still have Derek Forrest, you have Cam Curl, who's got his own. Um, extension possibility, which I should ask you about before we go. Jeremy Reeves was able to play some safety for them this year. So they won't be barren if they move on, but, you know, he's a guy who's a, one of the leaders in that secondary and has versatility and all that. And the money's not insane, but not nothing. So what do you think about Bobby McCann?
1: Yeah, it's the thing you said. It's not a lot. There is definitely a path where he's back on this roster, especially if he's, you know, kind of a leader in a younger secondary. But yeah, like I said, I mean, Derek Forrest, obviously, Cameron Curl's a very, very good player at this point. I think Forrest has shown a lot. Um, I probably lean cut because this is a position where, I mean, veteran safeties, it's unfortunate for them, but I, I mean, they're just a dime a dozen in, in free agency. And it's, you can get guys for not a lot of money, especially the older veterans, you know, unless you're, unless you're, you know, uh, Devin McCourty in New England, you're probably signing a near minimum contract. Uh, I mean, you look at guys this, this past season, Daron Harmon, Rodney McLeod, like a lot of like good players um, that are getting pretty much nothing to come in and play. So I would probably expect them to, I mean, I don't know. This was, this was a toss-up, and it probably falls into things I don't know about, you know, off-field value, locker room value, stuff like that. Um, But I would probably lean towards if they wanted to add pieces and spend and get better, Um, he's maybe, again, kind of a pay cut or or get cut type of guy.
0: All right. Um, The next guy on the list is Andrew Norwell. We don't have to really get into that one too, too much. Basically, the money is a little – it's basically a, a, another – Close to 50-50 split on five point zero eight million dollar cap number. A little bit more towards the dead money than not. They've got so much fluctuation going on on the line. I imagine it could come down to are they letting trade Turner go, or I mean, he's a free agent. they bringing him back, Are they letting Wes Schweitzer go. What are they doing at center? So maybe Norwell stays, and eventually, if they need to move on, they move on. But uh, they could use they could upgrade the position. But you know, you can't solve all your problems in in one year. But I wanted to ask you sort of this. I'm looking down the list further JD McKissick's on this list. 3.23 million dollar cap hit, 2 million dead, 1.23 cap savings. Not 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 a huge number there to save. You're you're not going to like, you know, rewrite your offseason if you release JD McKissick. But I do think there's some merit to doing it and he may we don't even know what his future is. Neck injuries two years in a row. That clouds his own situation. Hopefully he's okay, but it could lead to him moving on but when you're doing this uh, game you know of this figuring out how far down do you go before it's not even like worth your wild 1.23 million i'm not saying it's not nothing and combined with other things it can matter but like at some point like where do you stop going okay anything else here is just a football decision it's not really so much about the money anymore
1: about in this range right where it is still possible it still impacts the roster and impacts the you know playing of of uh Antonio Gibson and Brian Robinson and impacts maybe a day three draft pick whatever um so you still look at it but yeah like, like you said like this isn't going to significantly impact anything they do realistically um you know so he's interesting I mean you know he was so productive I, I get why they kind of had that whole situation with Buffalo and, and bringing him back um you know obviously some ruffled some feathers there but uh yeah, that's more of like a just a pure injury again, something that we kind of can't really spe- Don't want to speculate, probably can't really know what's going on there. Um, but yeah, it doesn't really matter, you know, from a from a cap if we're just looking at the cap, not like on-field production doesn't really matter all that much.
0: Right, right. My my biggest thing on that one is, you know, when you're going to talk about wanting to run the ball as much as they do, fine, but then the third running back should sort of reflect that in a, in a sense. If Gibson's going to be the more perimeter guy with Brian Robinson, Then the third guy, because one of their, when Brian Robinson obviously had his unfortunate situation at the beginning of the year, and then they didn't really run the ball as much as they were kind of claiming Rivera said, well, when Robinson went out, they had to kind of move away from that. And I'm like, why? If this was your plan, why would you have to move away from it? And plus they have Jonathan Williams. who you know, totally fine guy. is an aggressive runner. Like we see this with teams all the time. The people get hurt, but you have somebody else in the wings to step in. So anyway, my point is, the third guy should reflect that, I would think, and thus be more behind Robinson than behind um, Gibson, and McKissick would not be that guy. That would be my thought I, of to to move on.
1: I totally agree, right? You can't have a converted receiver running back as number two and then basically a slot receiver as your number three if you're going to say that you're going to run the ball a ton. I, yeah, I think that's fair.
0: Yeah, yeah. Okay, for sure. So, So I think that's kind of where we're at there i mean i do think it's going to be really some interesting choices they have at the top as we went through now another interesting choice they have is what to do with cam curl uh by what i mean to do is he's under contract for one more year we get that but this is essentially the same thing as terry McLaurin a year ago in that he's extension eligible if you don't sign him this year to a deal he'll be a free agent the following year and then you have to play that whole game of are you tagging him or you're not or, or whatever uh cam curl had a pretty good year again he with the the numbers are pretty dramatic when he was in the lineup versus when he was out of the lineup. Their worst defensive games were largely when he was not playing. But he also didn't put up, like, amazing stats or anything. It's just like you watch the game, you know he's a factor. His versatility, they can play. The back safety, he can play closer to the line of scrimmage. Huge, huge deal. Um, but as we know, they've got some other decisions they're going to have to make here. Not to mention there's sort of the, is Ron Rivera, at the moment care what about signing anybody to a three-year deal when he's got to worry about today. So all that is said, what do you look at a cam curl deal? Do you look at it as, I guess, curious, what do you think his market value is? But then also like from where Washington is right now, are they better off signing him to a, a deal? Are they better off saying, eh, you're not making that much money this year. Let's just go with that and move forward or whatever. What, how do you kind of see his situation?
1: I personally think he is a, is a prime extension candidate. I mean, like Montez was first order of business in a non-Duron Payne conversation, but I think Cam Carroll is right there. Um, look, PFF grades are one data point, just like the data points you mentioned, but one of very few safeties for us that was above, a graded above 80 as a run defender and a coverage player. Um, a really, really good guy. Does not miss a tackle or rarely misses a tackle on the back end. Um, you know, can do a lot too. He's versatile. You can play him in two high structures, single high, can cover a little bit if you want to put him in the slot or do different things. I, I wouldn't say it's like my favorite use of him, uh, but he's not just kind of one of these you know, pure deep third free safeties that I think do not get paid as much as the guys that can come down to the box and do different things. So I think he's kind of, you look at it like Imani Hooker last offseason. So another guy coming in to his fourth year early extension, gets three years, 30 million. I frankly would not put him above that in the, you know, Jalen Thompson with the Arizona Cardinals got three years, 36 million. that's kind of his market three I would say you know three years 39 three years 40 in that 13 million range kind of just you know inflation adjusting those deals a little bit um you know did miss some time but really I I think a really really talented player and also when you do hit on late draft picks like that I I mean you're gonna get value if he was a first round pick we'd probably be talking about you know a whole different conversation right where I think you can get him signed for some solid surplus value and kind of that, that second tier of safety um so yeah, I would be, I would be having those conversations with him. Uh, I hear you though, on, you know, the, the, we don't know their priorities. You know, if anyone is thinking long-term right now, we don't know, but uh, I think he should be a cornerstone of the defense for the next couple of years.
0: Well, and, and I was going to ask you, like you mentioned, like, well, not that Terry McLaurin, but he wasn't a first round pick either, but he was a third round pick. That's more money than a seventh round pick. I got him. I mean, again, I'm not saying we, we need to hold a bake sale for Cam Carl, but as a seventh round pick, he's not making that much money relative to other NFL players. Does that almost to some degree give the team? I don't want to say a chance to come in with a lower offer, but like, you know, I mean, you know, whatever he's going to get in this next deal is going to be way more than he was getting otherwise. Is that Does that factor in at all, or is that really not much
1: of a of a deal? It's a bigger factor than I think a lot of people realize. The leverage of, especially at safety, I and mean, the leverage of your career earnings to date. And look, like McLaurin you said, McLaurin also not a ton of career earnings, but I think he was just – a really, really good player and and whatever. Yeah, they come to these guys and say, hey man, football is a very difficult and dangerous game and you never, you know, you could tear your ACL tomorrow and then you're going to get nothing, especially in a position like safety where you're throwing your body around, yada, yada, yada. We'll offer you this. We'll make sure you get that upfront assurances Look, I'm not, and I'm not saying it's like, the, I'm not gonna call it slimy, but I'm not saying it's the, the nicest thing, but yes, they're they're going to use that leverage against them. And I mean, if you're a player, you probably, in, in a lot of instances, look, betting yourself is cool. If a guy wants to bet on himself, I would never hold it against him. Um, But a lot of the time they can convince them, Hey man, you've made 2 million in your career. This, thus far, we'll give you a, a $15 million signing bonus. You know, we'll, we'll, you know, eight X your career earnings tomorrow. Um, it's kind of hard to say no to that.
0: Yeah, no, for for, for (laughs) sure. I think it's going to be a really interesting one, but I would have to imagine the team wants to get that one done. Um, One I'm not as sure about is the Montez Sweat deal. So now he is the third year in a row. One of their first round pick defensive linemen is up for an extension going into his last year of his deal. The first one, John Allen signed that extension, four years, $72 million uh, ahead of the 2021 training camp. Last year, as we know, Daron Payne did not. They didn't offer him an extension. There's we've discussed this ad nauseum, but you know, they just have a lot of they'd be spending a lot of money on defensive line. And typically you don't want to do that on tackles, let alone all four guys. But anyway, Montez White's now up. This is where teams tend to spend more money on the edge rushers. Montez Sweat had a pretty good year after having a rough 2021 because of injuries and some off the field issues with his family or matters. Um rebounded this year all had a really good all around year um but and you know they could just play it out like they did with Payne. but i it's also a matter of what he wants to do does he want what how does he see this maybe Duron Payne's situation gives him thought of hey i don't really you know like you just mentioned i can bet on myself not worry about some you know uh signing now and see where i'm at after next year defensive end market is booming people people like paying edge rushers but he's also not elite based on the stats. So how do you see a Montez Sweat deal uh, looking?
1: Yeah, so, you know, I would say the Bradley Chubb trade and extension was probably the worst case scenario for the Washington Commanders because I think before that deal, you had the upper echelon of edge rushers, which, you know, way at the top the the Joey Bosa and TJ Watt at 28 or 28, 27. And obviously the bottom of that top tier is Max Crosby at 23 and a half. The next player was, look, Von Miller is technically on a six-year, $120 million deal. He's making $17.5 million over three years. The rest, especially now he tore his ACL. That's that's his contract. So there was a gap from 23.5 to 17.5. And I think pre-Bradley Chubb, who's now making $22 million a year on a five-year extension, you could probably have said, hey, Montez Sweat, let's you know kind of split the difference there, get you in right around 20, maybe 21 on a good day. Um, and now I think some, first that. But then look, I think Nick Bosa probably signs for 30 plus million dollars a year this off season. I think Josh Allen in Jacksonville, these are all guys in his draft class, obviously um, is going to sign a decent extension. Rashawn Gary in green Bay towards ACL. So maybe it does not get done, but another guy that in the near future is going to get a very, very big contract. Brian Burns in Carolina, I think is going to get a contract that might surprise some people in the 25 to 30 range as well. Um, so, you know, sweat can kind of sit back and then the market, you know, it's not quite the same as D that we talked about, but, and then say, okay, well now I kind of want like 24, 25. And I think Washington probably boxed at that, right. They're probably saying we're not comfortable going to that number. We think you're kind of a second tier guy in the, you know, at best case low twenties. Um, so, you know, I, I would still try to get it done. Um, I think him and Payne is kind of a decision. Of like if you, if you get pains done, you tag him and, or tag and extend him do you then let it play out and kind of just say, Hey, like you mentioned, like, let's see two good years in a row. Let's see you stay healthy and be a very good player for two years in a row. Maybe, you know, get some more sack numbers and stuff like that. Um, I mean, he had most pressures, highest pressure rate for us, you know, by a good margin, um, a really, really, you know, highly graded player for us this year, but nevertheless, um, it might be one of those situations where they're comfortable kind of, you know, taking the risk of letting him follow the Duran Duran Payne path instead of the Jonathan Allen path. I, we would lean towards trying to get it done as soon as possible, and maybe before those guys I mentioned come in. Um, but that's going to be a very, very interesting one, no question.
0: Yeah, I don't, I don't know where either their either side's meant head is at, but something. If I had to bet right now, I wouldn't be surprised if Sweat decides to play it out. Now I don't know what Washington's thinking is, but this leads us to Deron Payne. Um, I've talked about this a lot. I'm sure I probably have said something. Well, if I have, you'll tell me if I've said something that's incorrect because this is your wheelhouse, but. When and I want to ask you now, where where you think the Duran Payne market is after all this time? But if they give him, Washington talked at the end of the year Rivera and Mayhew about the budget. I've talked about this on the podcast. I've never heard them use the word budget before. It's one thing to discuss when you give a player a new a new deal, but the actual notion of the budget and with the owner situation unclear, we don't know if Dan Snyder is willing to sign players to these bigger deals where you you have all this guaranteed money. Then you have to put money into escrow, not just the immediate, but like, okay, if you're giving Deron Payne 40 million in guarantees, then that's got to go into escrow, you know, a a, a chunk of that, whatever, a large amount of that. So that's where I don't quite know exactly where they're going to go, but this same thing would apply to sweat. Uh, Would they rather just let sweat play it out thus to avoid this and they'll deal with where he is next year. And then same thing with Payne. Um, but Deron Payne's got some good, <laughs> good leverage. He just had his a huge year. It looks like the defensive tackle market is going to uh, zoom up. You helped uh, me out when I wrote about this during the year about where things are going. And, you know, Chris Jones is another guy at this position who's some of these guys are free agents. Some of them are going to the last year of their deal. Like Jones is there's a bunch of defensive interior defensive linemen here who are poised to get paid and the market should go up. Payne should as well but they can tag him for just about 18.9 million, which is, you know, even Brad Spielberg is not turning down that money, but you know, that kind of feels like a good bargain right now uh, if you're Washington. So what do you see here right now, both in terms of where that defensive tackle market is, but also what Washington's best scenario is?
1: Yeah. So yeah, because the growth is going to be exponential. uh, I think it's, it's interesting to where if you do tag him and you're trying to get a deal done before July 15th, we might, we might not see those guys in that class after his get some of those deals done. Usually those early extensions take place in like August, right? Like, again, I mentioned Quinn Williams, Dexter Lawrence, yada, 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 very good players and, and Jeffrey Simmons in Tennessee, so on and so forth. I, I would be surprised if Payne was willing to take a deal for less than $20 million a year. And, and I had a conversation this weekend too, of if you're Washington, So, A, all the factors you mentioned, B, and I can tell you for a fact this happens across the NFL every offseason, if you sign him to a deal for more than Jonathan Allen, Jonathan Allen is going to walk into your office the next day and say, why would I make less money than Deron Payne when I'm clearly better than him, or at least I think I am. Um, You know, so it, it opens up this whole larger can of worms my guess would probably be franchise tag and that it would be very hard to get a, a long-term deal done because I think they would just be far apart on, on the number and that they do that because they do have a lot, a lot of flexibility in my mind. And then, you know, just depending how 2023 goes, either he proves it, you know, backs up his pass rush numbers from this year and is it, you know, a good run defender and, and is a good all around player um, or he doesn't. And, you know, they, they go the share route, out, or well, I guess he got two, but you know, and you, you let him walk, or maybe you tag and trade the second time, or whatever. Um, I just I, I think it's tough for me to envision um, giving him that that massive multi year extension because I think this is the wrong it's bad timing. Um, that's why I thought they should have got it done last offseason, if at all. I do get he had maybe his best year in some ways this year, um, but yeah, that one it's 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 tough for me. I think to strike a balance between both you know teams' interests uh, in, in this negotiation.
0: Right, uh, yeah, it it it's very tricky. Now, of course, if they do the tag, that means there's no flexibility in that, and he assigns it. There's no flexibility in that number. He's is, is 18.9 million, which, as I think I was based on what I was reading a minute ago, would mean he was. I think that's the third highest cap hit. Well, no, the second highest behind Jonathan Allen because they'll let Carson Wentz go. So that's, that's the whole point of this. Like, you don't want to put too much money into the defensive tackle position, but those guys are, are arguably the best tandem in the league. So that's that only adds to the to the wonder what what are his options if if they do the tag like I mean you could hold out but I mean and you could demand a trade I guess but like what based on the history like what's the real somewhat reality of this like Brandon Scherf just said cool you want to give me all this money I'll just take it we're, we're good I'll just deal with this later but what, what if Payne is uns- not happy with that he wants the bigger deal what are his options so to speak?
1: Yeah. So, you know, he wouldn't sign it right away uh, realistically and, and, and try to, you know, play hardball. It's pretty much every guy is going to do unless like you said, it's a sheriff where sheriff's an interesting case where, you know, the offensive line has one tag and him playing guard was like, yeah, hey, that's cool. Like you're paying me more than, you know, any guard even makes this is, you know, this, this tag is derived from tackle contracts, but it's tough. I mean, you can't really hold out I mean, you can hold out on a franchise tag in theory, but you have until July 15th to get a multi-year deal done. If the two sides are very far apart, maybe he's you know before that deadline, he says, okay, trade me to somewhere that's willing to give me the multi-year deal I want. Um, but it's tough, right? Because that new club also has to get that done before the July 15th deadline, which is not an easy thing to do. There's not a lot of his disposal. If anything, the new CBA made it harder for players to do all these things, to hold out and whatnot. The one thing is, if you don't sign the franchise tag, you are technically not under contract. So they couldn't find him for skipping offseason activities because he's not under contract, right? That, that's about the only you know weapon at your disposal. All that really does, though, and I think it's interesting looking at last offseason, Jesse Bates said he was going to do that. Orlando Brown said he was going to do that, and neither guy ultimately did that. I mean, they held out for a while, but they they ended up showing up because they realized. I want to get up to speed in this defense. I want to get in there and have a good season and put on a showcase for teams that could sign me next off season. So it's, it's tough, man. That's, that's why it's the, you know, the NFL team's favorite weapon um, to deploy and to suppress you know contracts across the league, frankly. Um, I mean, Hey, $19 million, like you said, I, I wouldn't turn it down. Um, but you know, he, he's, I would guess he makes more than that on a multi-year deal from other teams. So yeah, it's, it's going to get interesting in Washington as, as it always is
0: yeah yeah for sure the uh you know part of the intrigue with this defensive tackle class um in general this offseason is you know from an annual basis Aaron Donald makes 31.7 million the next high and look obviously he's you know best defensive tackle over the last several years the next highest guy DeForest Buckner and Leonard Williams are both at 21 million that's a huge gap in there and that's where I think um you know agents and and others uh, around the league see this market going into that, into that gap. And that's why it's going to be interesting to see what happens with pain. If he actually does hit his free agency. And I guess there is always the tag and trade, um, which to a degree would be not the best. I'm not saying there's such a thing as like the best of both worlds, but like the compensatory pick they would get, even if he ever re- leaves in free agency now, that's not until the next year. But th- right. So like, that's not helping anybody out, um, from Washington's perspective, you know, anytime soon. So, uh, that is interesting. Um, I have one other question, but before we do that, anything else for you from Washington that I didn't get to, or, uh, or we can just move on if you're sick and tired of talking about Washington,
1: not tired at all, but I think we did a very comprehensive, I think we covered all the, all the major storylines,
0: all right? All right. Once, once in a while, I get my ducks in a row. All <laughs> right. Here, here's my last question, Uh, quarterback market. Now, obviously Washington is fronting, at least that they're going to go look at Sam Howell, uh, to, uh to to be their starter we'll see how that holds up over the next few weeks I still Sam Howell's very interesting I like a lot of his skill set he's played one game he started one game had like 11 completions a fifth round pick and again this is a year where Rivera's probably got a win so you would have to imagine some vet comes in but quickly though on this the reason why this is so interesting longer term is that if Sam Howell hits what this means for Washington going forward is a huge deal because he's on this rookie contract. He's making less than $900,000 this year. You know, we, we talk about this a lot in the league, but this is like what the Eagles are looking at. This is why the Eagles were able to go out and get the many extra veterans. Your trade for AJ Brown, sign a James Bradbury because their starting quarterback is not making any money. That's changing next year, but not making any money to this point. So how big of a deal would this be? For, for Washington, even just in the short term, if they really stick to this, what is their, what do you think that could mean for them in terms of spending this offseason if they're paying that little at quarterback?
1: I mean, if you hit on the number one overall pick, you have surplus value in the arguably nine figures because of how good that player actually is versus what you're paying him. If you hit on a fifth round pick quarterback and he is a, you know, top 10, 12, whatever quarterback, it's the greatest, I mean, literally, you are saving yourself tens if not hundreds of millions of dollars over the life of that four year deal. Um, or I guess like you're saying with her, it's three year deal. And then you have to extend it most likely, but um, yeah, I, I mean, it's massive. I, I, if you do hit there, um, I guess it's, you know, a I'm not you know, pour cold water and everything, but Hey, I mean, like you said, if they really think they did, are they still going to spend this off season? We don't know. Um, also, or did they say that because they know they're not going to spend on a veteran? Um, I don't know. For me, I took it as we're not – Carson Wentz is getting cut, so don't worry. You don't have to deal with Carson Wentz. Um, And I would imagine that they're in the, like, Garoppolo, Brissette type of market um, for a bridge. But, hey, also they think, hey, Howell's a fine bridge. Maybe we still take a draft pick or we want to pick a kid next year or whatever, but Howell is our Davis Mills, so to speak. I know it's an exciting thing to hear, uh, an exciting (laughs) comp. But, you know, like a guy that is is good enough to at least start – he's not – you know, he's not just, like – incapable of playing NFL quarterback. um but yeah, if they did hit on that, I mean that's that's the best best blessing you can have in this entire sport,
0: so the Tom Brady retirement uh, impacts Washington to the extent of the some of the names you just said now. there's one less option in the market, a big one at that. So some of these teams like that's what's interesting it's like is Tampa Bay gonna try to get another vet to compete in a lousy NFC South or are they going to say eh, we had we've had a good run here. Let's let's retreat a little bit. And, you know, they're not the only team who's going to be sort of in this same dilemma. But either way, presumably uh, an Andy Dalton or a Brissette or somebody's going to go off the board. And then if those guys are not available or Washington isn't willing to pay, you know, now all of a sudden, you know, what, what, are, you, what are you looking at? Sure, you can bring back Taylor Heineke, but it's been clear they don't view Taylor Heineke as even, com- they don't want him to compete for the starting job. They don't really want, I mean, you know, they don't really want, that uh baker mayfield i don't know i mean you know it's sort of carson wentz in just a different version although he's whenever people compared sam hadle an nfl player they always was, went with mayfield so sure. maybe there's something interesting there sam darnold you know I and mean, we can kind of go through this list can i talk and look just before i say this nobody needs to send the men in white coats over okay i'm 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 saying i'm i know what i'm doing here I had somebody tell me don't, and I, I'm not saying it's somebody with the commanders or just, just somebody I was having a conversation with the senior ball, the idea of, well, if Carson, if they cut Carson Wentz or just agreed that he's going to take the pay cut that you talked about before pick whatever low number you want to get to. If they keep Ken Zampese as the offensive coordinator, you wouldn't be changing the system. He wouldn't be getting out of the system. And when Carson Wentz was doing okay, it wasn't. It, it looked pretty good, and I can hear people yelling at me through this. I, I get it. What do you, What would you say about that scenario where if you take Carson Wentz's salary down to the nubs, but the, but keep him from a familiarity standpoint? No, you're still saying Sam Howell's moving forward It's not a competition. Even could you talk yourself into that at all, or would you prefer I delete all of this from the podcast so it doesn't even get out to the world?
1: No, yeah, you would. You would basically say, look, he's, he's owed twenty six million, whatever it is, next year. I would say we think Percet and Garoppolo are going to get, uh, you know, Percet maybe like 8 million a year on a multi year deal as a backup. I think Garoppolo, maybe someone gives them like a one year, 12 million and in they incentives to boost it to 17, whatever. And I would say the same thing. We're dropping this down to, you know, we'll give you the Ryan Fitzpatrick contract plus incentives, which was one year, 10 mil, if I remember correctly. Um, and, and yeah, that's fine. I mean, it's like well, you Well, let's take it nope.
0: even. Could you go even further? Yeah. Let's just say Washington has no interest. We've all been kind of wondering this on the beat: Is Carson Wentz in the league next year? Because obviously nobody would view view him as a starter anymore. You wouldn't think, right? But he's also like a tough backup because part of his issue is he doesn't assimilate easily. Like he, right? Uh, I, you know, so I don't even know where what team would say we want him as a backup. So I almost think like you could even go lower. But again, then it becomes weird when you're bringing back a guy to the same locker room making that much less sometimes no, ego right. kicks in but
1: you're right you're right I, it's it's fair no you say hey look it's either this for two million or you might not be in the nfl you know also not being a good backup it's also he's not like a game he's always going to try to go for the home run he right. has not got you know so you don't want really a backup that does that um to a degree yeah i mean look if he if he, if he agrees to that then absolutely um i think to i don't even call it his ego but I think if I'm all the injuries are, and, and the m- mental injuries from mean people on Twitter, look, I would, I would write off into sunset with my, I got to look it up now how much this guy is worth. Um, why, if you're Carson Wentz and you have made $128 million, would you be willing to succumb to that, you know, uh, mockery, just go hunt some ducks in the, in South Dakota and just live a good life. That's my answer to the question.
0: <laughs> that, that, that is mine as well. And like I said, I don't really believe he's coming back in any capacity, but, you know, again, when Brady retires and you start looking at the field and you're like, well, I mean, it, you know, again, it, I said this before, If for the pure upside, I would go for Wentz. If I got to win the game tomorrow, I would go with Heineke. But I just don't know if that you – know, I don't know how they would look at it in that regard. But, uh, anyway, I just want to give people a little bit of a scare. Uh, I don't think it's happening, but <laughs> – you know, I don't know. Might as well at least mention it because it's not like the quarterback market is like that robust. Once you start peeling off some of the guys we just uh, discussed, uh, Brad, you are a wealth of knowledge and a good man for for listening to me ramble here and answering all of our questions. Uh, other than people following you on Twitter at Brad underscore PFF, what else do you need the people to know that Brad Spielberg has has going on these days?
1: Yeah, so we touched on it a little bit, but uh, my baby at PFF is our free agent rankings. Just put out our top 100 free agent rankings with contract projections for all 100 players. Um, Deron Payne is, I want to say, 10th on that list. Um, I won't tell you the exact, you know, contract prediction there, but but yeah, ton of research goes into that. We're going to add in the near future. Team fits, scheme fits, you know, anything you can imagine. Um, I like to say it's, you know, the draft guy that everyone loves to consume, um, but for free agency. So check that out if you're into that at all. Um, and I think Washington should at least be more active than last offseason, which is a low bar, but uh, but check that out on PFF.com.
0: Uh, awesome. Do that, people. Brad, you rule. We'll talk soon. There's always going to be some uh, – They're gonna... once it's they start signing contracts, we'll have to have you back, of course, because – We'll need to know, you know, if they did good or not. Uh, my guy, I appreciate it. We'll talk soon. Thank you. Yep. All right, this is a long overdue uh, reunion. Here, uh, is this about discussing the Wizards? This is about bringing together two people that used to cover the Wizards and talk about it on this other guy's podcast, or is it about bringing together two people that may that, that are probably have the two craziest owners in all the sports? Your 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 choice on that. But here he is. Our Knicks reporter for the Athletic, my pal Fred Katz. Well, it, it's been a minute. I missed you when the Knicks came through
2: town. How are you? I'm great. I, I just feel like your listeners should be really excited. We've got two people who don't cover the Wizards talking about the Wizards. What better coverage could you possibly get than that?
0: You know what? Let me let me let me let me let me fill you in on something this is going to be the best wizards podcast anybody's had all year because we don't give a crap. At least I certainly don't. You, you may because you're, you know, you're a responsible journalist who covers the league, but we don't cover the team anymore. So, I mean, you know, it is what, it is what it is. Uh, everybody else, you got to look, I, I cover the commanders. I can't say everything I think at all times. Cause you know, you, you got, you got to talk to these people again.
2: Hey, I, I normally say what I think. I think, uh, I'm just, uh, you're just nice. I'm a relatively reasonable person, whereas you'll just let him fly. So,
0: yeah, he, <laughs> I pretty
2: much do say what I think. Nah, so no, I'm good on that.
0: Fair, 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 fair enough. Um, but yeah, I, I wanted to catch up with Fred, and I haven't talked about the Wizards for a minute here. The trade deadline is this week, and not even so much whether we. This isn't going to be bad. Let's break down 12 scenarios so the Wizards could make a trade. Uh, but just more about catching up on like where they are as a franchise. But also, I wanted to uh talk about the league uh i did this bit on the radio the other day fred and i was hosting it was the first time i had hosted back on the radio in like six months of basically since the nfl season started and i was doing this bit like you know like here's everything i missed tell me what i missed basically in these other sports while i was in the nfl commanders vortex and i kind of feel like i wanted to do some of this with the nba as well so we'll get to the wizards um in a minute. but tell me just where we are at this point in this season what's the number one thing for you when you think about this NBA season what what is what stands out to you the most with what's gone on this year
2: i would probably say that there is greater parity in the league right now than i can ever remember there being that i don't i mean i think the celtics are definitely the favorites to win the title but i'm not betting my life on them that I think the West, I think Denver is certainly the favorite to win the West, but I'm not betting my life on them, that Memphis could do it, that, heck, the Clippers could do it. They're playing a lot better with Kawhi back, and some other team could make some sort of big trade or go for a run, or Philly could end up winning the East, or Milwaukee could end up winning the East, or you know cleveland is arguably the best defense in the nba they could just stifle everybody in the east with you know the best rim protection around and they could do it uh you just look through and it's like the 3 seed in the west and the 13th place team in the west are separated by 5 games and it is crazy how wide open it is in that that sense and that's just not something that we've seen you know we see that in like baseball that's not something that we see in basketball as, as a, as a, as a normal way for the league to act. And, uh, you know, we're kind of seeing it in, in both conferences right now, where everybody is just absolutely mashed together. And, and because of that, you got a lot of teams that as we approach the trade deadline in two days, like you got a lot of teams that are saying, no, nah, we're in the hunt. There are a lot of teams who think they're in the hunt and and they want to be in the hunt. They don't want to fall out of the hunt. And so you got a lot of teams that are looking to get better and and not a lot that are trying to, you know, get rid of pieces.
0: You, I don't think you mentioned one of the other teams that's in the mix, the team with uh Kevin Durant as second banana to Cam Thomas. I think that team is uh the Nets. I mean, yes, look out.
2: Cam-, Cam Thomas going, going absolutely nuts 91 points in two games. Holy crap!
0: Well, that was you know for the Wizards, you know, they, they fell to that one, and you're like, wait. Who they just lose to with with no, no Kyrie, no K, no KD, and oh boy, that just happened. Um, broad broad question with regards to parity. I don't like parity, or bro, bro, I I don't I don't like parity. I mean, obviously, you don't want like like college football has a lot of this, right? Where in the playoffs every year when there's the four teams, you can pretty much write in. It feels like Alabama, Ohio State, some other SEC school. So Georgia obviously has been that school lately. And then, you know, Oklahoma or Oregon or whatever. And I know people don't always love that, but at the end of the day, if the goal is to pick a cha- to pick a champion, the person who best or, or a team that best represents what the season was about that was the best, then I that 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 ultimately kind of works. Plus, if you if you come in and win as an underdog, so to speak, but you beat the known commodity that validates it even further. Part of the reason why college basketball, I think, is a mess these days is nobody, nobody knows who anybody is other than just the jerseys. We don't know. I'm not, I don't love parody at all. Now, I'm not saying I don't love this NBA season. We'll see how it unfolds. But in general, I don't like parody. Where are you? Are you a parody guy or are you a, I mean, look, you're a Yankee fan. So I'm assuming you're with me on this, but are you a parody guy or are you a, no, you want like, you know, star, star teams to chase after a guy.
2: I'm a, whatever is interesting guy. If it's interesting, I'm into it. I think this season has been really interesting. I'm I'm enjoying the ebbs and flows of it. You know, every single team has had has had basically every single team has had really hot stretches and and really bad ones. The Wizards have lost ten in a row and they've won six in a row. The Knicks have lost five in a row and they've won eight in a row. You know, Memphis was playing like arguably the best team in the whole damn league, and now they've lost eight out of their last nine. For a long stretch, they were the only team in the NBA that hadn't blown a 15-point lead. Everyone else had blown at least, I think everybody else, or hadn't blown a 10-point lead, I should say. Everyone else had blown at least three. Everyone in the league is blowing leads because leads mean nothing now. It's happening even within games because teams are shooting so many threes and because they're so evenly matched. You see it all the time. A team is down 12 in the third quarter, and they come back, and they win the game by nine, and it didn't even really feel like a comeback. You know, a, a, a two or three weeks ago, Memphis was the only team in the NBA. Three weeks ago, Memphis was the only team in the NBA who had yet to blow a double-digit lead. Everyone else had blown at least three. And I think Memphis has blown two cents or three cents. Like, they're just, it's catching up to everybody. Uh, even the really good teams, like Memphis. The only ones that have, I think Denver has been pretty consistently really good because Jokic is having an unbelievable season. Even Milwaukee starts, Nine and zero, oh, and then goes on a stretch where they're five hundred for like a month and a half. Uh, you know their offense has not been what you would expect. It's been bottom ten all year without Chris Middleton, uh, and Giannis's efficiency is is not where it's been the last half decade because he's playing a little differently. He's taking more jumpers. He's posting up more. The shot difficulty is is uh, is is higher than it's been in years past. In part because Middleton's not there. It's it's just there is every team is imperfect in some way. Every team has a bad stretch. Most teams also have a good stretch. And it's, uh, I think that's interesting to dissect. Why is this happening? What are teams flaws? Like flaws are more interesting than perfections, you know, like, like, like no one talks about Cindy Crawford's. (laughs) No one talks about Cindy Crawford's nose. They talk about her mole, you know, like flaws are way more interesting than than perfections and uh, so so I I think this has generally been a very interesting NBA season on top of the trade stuff that may happen especially now that Kyrie has gone to gone to Dallas
0: laws are more interesting than perfection. Fred Katz making the claim that the Wizards are the most interesting team in the NBA for the last uh, 20 years. I've said for years. a
2: long time, the Wizards are interesting as hell. That's why I feel qualified to be on this podcast, even though I don't cover them, because I still make way too many calls about the Wizards and watch way too many Wizards games, because I think the Wizards are totally interesting.
0: Well, it it, uh, it depends on one's perspective. Uh, I'll, I'll leave it at that. We'll, we'll come back to them in, in, in a 2nd Um. You know, as somebody who's become a bit more now of a casual NBA fan just because of still don't have the time of the day, the two teams I try to pay attention to the most, the Wizards, of course, and the Lakers, which is, of course, also basically the Wizards, considering all the people they have on the team who used to play here. Uh, But obviously the LeBron saga is just uh, fascinating. So I one thing I noticed is like is a lot and I'm not saying you're doing this, of course, and obviously all the beat writers are focused on what's happening in that day. You're coming up with interesting angles on the players you cover, but so many of the podcasts, particularly like of a national, so or even like a lot of articles are about the trade deadline, future trades, legacy stuff. And I, I used to participate in all that, but like, I just noticed like, it is so much more about that do, to, to that end. Uh, do you, again, you're, you're so in the weeds on it in the best of ways. you, do, do you, find that as well or do you not even notice that because you are so in the weeds like in the NFL nobody really talks about the MVP race like I mean it'll happen and but but like it's not like really a thing the way it is in the NBA like you know and it's just that type of conversation
2: I don't know I guess I don't I don't follow the NFL closely enough to really be able to compare and contrast you know like the NBA is my Reality, they definitely talk about it in baseball. I mean, I feel like Aaron Judge versus Shohei Otani was a massive conversation in baseball for like months sure. of the season. So it's definitely talked about in baseball. Um, I, I I, just don't follow NFL close enough to be able to make the comparison. Although I guess the NL MVP race was not nearly as discussed, but the AL MVP race was like the topic sure. in all of baseball. Well, that was months. like such a,
0: a unique circumstance, right? Obviously one guy going and he got there, the breaking Roger Maris's mark for home runs. I won't get into the controversy of all that, but then you have Otani, you know, ridiculous, what he's doing from the plate and the mound so it almost on that one is more of a historical sense um i don't know we we move off that so to that point i'm going to do exactly what i just sort of quasi balked about who's the best player in the league who's the uh i mean every time i see Jokic passing i just fall in love more but obviously he's not the only one out there doing good stuff. Who for you this year has just been like, if you know, I don't want to even say like the MVP, but like the face of the the season to this point, who for you is that has been that guy this year.
2: So I, I feel like there are four guys in the league right now who are kind of a class above or three guys in the league right now who are kind of a class above the rest. And I think it's Jokic. I think it's Giannis and I think it's Kevin Durant. And I think those guys are the ones who are, Who are kind of that tier one class? And then you go down, you get LeBron. The reason I don't have LeBron there right now is because he just doesn't defend on an every night basis the way that he used to. Now, Kevin Durant is defending his ass off this season. He's been so good defensively and is scoring like crazy, shooting like 57% on mid range shots. I was looking at it the other day and KD. Is shooting, you know, you look at the guys who like take a legitimate amount of mid-range shots, like you know, the amongst the guys with the 50 most mid-range attempts in the league. And 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 KD is shooting 57. And and next on that list is like 49. It's just insanity he how much better he is from the mid-range than anyone else alive to this day. He hits everything, he has become a really fantastic passer. And in my opinion, the way that I just try to describe KD is that I, I think he's the least flawed player in the history of the NBA. Wow. You know, that doesn't mean he's the best player in the history of the sport, but I think he has the fewest flaws, you know, Michael, Michael Jordan, better player than Kevin Durant. I, I, I'm not disagreeing with that, but Michael Jordan didn't protect the rim the way that KD can do because KD's much taller. Uh, Michael Jordan didn't shoot threes because of the era that he played in. But it was it was a flaw. It's not like nobody in the 90s shot threes. There were good three-point shooters in the 90s who took a legitimate amount of attempts. He just wasn't one of them. It wasn't his game. Kevin Durant is the least flawed. Whatever his worst trait is, whatever you want to talk about, whatever his worst trait is on the basketball court, no matter how minuscule you want to reduce this to, his worst trait is very good. Uh, and, and so watching him still be this good when he's healthy at, at this age, at this point in his career, and after the Achilles, to me, it's, it's, I marvel over it. I think it's unbelievable. Um, you know, Jokic is passing, Giannis's two way ability, his ability to get to the paint. And he's you were going to say his first Shaq.
0: You were going to say a fourth guy rather than you pulled back. Who was the fourth guy you were going to put in there?
2: Well, I was, I was going to say LeBron, but I, I don't think LeBron brings it defensively on an every night. Basis in order to be up there, Uh, you know, Jokic's mere ability is like we saw it last year. It's like if you have Jokic, you're winning more than forty five games, and LeBron's just not at that point in his career anymore. He's great, but LeBron was at a point in his career where it's like if you have LeBron, you're winning fifty. That's that's how it works. You just if you have LeBron, you're winning fifty. I think his you know his durability is obviously not as great as it used to be, but I still think he's kind of in that class. Uh, You know, I think Curry. I think you could definitely put Curry. If I were gonna put a fourth, honestly, then then I think Curry would be the guy in there because he still bends a defense like nobody else in the league. And I think he would I think he would probably be the guy there. Um but I think it's those and and you know, and, and Embiid is 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 right right close there, but you know, the health stuff and the durability stuff makes it difficult to put him there as well. It's really in an age where a lot of most guys don't play every day, having a guy like say Jokic. Who just plays all the time it's really it's really valuable it's really 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 valuable
0: um for sure i, I so many different cat- topics i want to bounce off of that including the idea of like the best you, you mentioned a couple of americans obviously in the top of your tier there but jokic Giannis and bead uh donchich like uh, feels like we are at a point where maybe it's been there for a while i just hadn't I hadn't processed it, but, you know, because LeBron and Durant have been sort of the faces of the league and Curry for a while, but that the the international players are, there's more of them now, it feels like at the top of the tier in the league than um, not. And And, we
2: see, and we see Shea Gildress Alexander coming on. Like, I think he's got an argument, certainly being the top 15. Like, I think if the season ended today, I think and he's Canadian. Like, I I think if the season ended today, he would certainly be on my All NBA ballot. I'd have to think about it if I'd have him, but he he would definitely be in contact. I can't say I wouldn't put him second team. I wouldn't put him first, but he might be second. If he's second team all NBA, then by definition, he's got an argument to be a top ten player. So so that's another guy who's there. I mean, it's it's really hard. I don't know what to do with Kawhi. It's really hard to to evaluate Kawhi with just his his inability to play, you know, on an everyday basis. But when Kawhi is great, he's obviously still great. Um, you know, that's that's another guy who's there. I'm doing this off the top of my head. I'm probably forgetting about someone, which people will get mad at me for.
0: Uh, nobody gets no nobody gets mad at you. Um, uh, you know, you're you're a you're you're a nice you're a nice guy. Everybody likes you. Um, all right. So speaking of uh, one of those international guys, Luca, I, sort of bearing the big NBA lead of uh, lead here of this week, and that is
2: oh, I forgot about Jason Tatum. By the way, Tatum's up there as well. He's in you, that tier with LeBron and them. <laughs>
0: Sure. Before you, people
2: get mad at me. Well,
0: oh, you, you already said that Boston was the favorite uh, probably to, to win. So, you know, you're giving nods to to Tatum right there. Um, Luka Doncic, one of those great international players, of course, gets a new running mate in Kyrie Irving. Uh Completely fascinating. Y- your, your team that you cover, the Knicks, play a minor role in this or some roles in that you, you can explain the machinations if you want, but I don't know if Jalen Brunson wanted out of Dallas or if they didn't want to pay tax or whatever, but they let Jalen Brunson leave. He goes to the Knicks, right? Let him leave. He was a free agent. He goes to the Knicks. And now a few months later, they're like, eh, I don't think we have enough. So let's get the craziest guy in the league. Who's, who's super talented. But he blows up every situation he's in. Let's go for that guy to play with the, our star Luka Luca too. We, you know, almost to some degree you need to treat like a porcelain doll in this, you know, where this era where players have so much power and control over their own circumstances. Um, and then, of course, the Nets angle of the side of this is they finally said enough. You know, I mean, Kyrie put in the request, but they didn't have to honor it. They said enough. They move on. And it gets some interesting pieces. We were talking about this on a text or the other day. So what do you make of that deal, particularly from the from the Dallas and taking on the, uh, you know, I mean, I, whatever my own personal feelings about Kyrie are at this point from an NBA perspective, yeah, he's really good, but he just, it, it, never, it never lasts and it never works ultimately long term.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I bringing up the Brunson stuff is definitely good framing. I mean, I understand the sunk cost fallacy. I get it. Brunson's already gone, and you want another creator next to Luca. You feel like you need another creator next to Luca. Brunson's already gone, and there's nothing you can do about it now. Go get a creator. I, I understand that intellectually. It is still really difficult for me to look at this situation and not think about Brunson is really good and also really reliable and a pro's pro is averaging 22 a game efficiently right now as the lead guy for the Knicks and had a really good all-star argument. They could have had him for the extension, the four year $55 million extension, which they didn't really offer him last season. And they could have outbid the Knicks in free agency this summer. And they chose not to. Uh, now they realize they need something. So they lose Brunson on a contract that, by the way, if you look at that contract now, it's $104 million over four years and it's declining year to year. It's a team-friendly contract for, for a fringe all-star point guard. That's what you're paying. I mean, that's, that's, that's 20 million less than the supermax. I mean, that's for a fringe all-star. I mean, that, that, that's a totally team-friendly contract. And to lose that guy, and then turn around and trade two rotation players as well as a legitimately good first round pick in your 2029 unprotected, which actually has value to bring back a creator who has been less reliable in terms of showing up. That is some crazy asset management. Like that is, that is,
0: what did you say? It was not
2: four four for what? Four for 104 for that's
0: exactly the amount that the wizards had to match the offer sheet to keep Otto Porter who while I defend out a Porter, but he's not, he's not been nearly as good as Brunson's been in this league or yeah. certainly was and last year.
2: And now salary caps way higher. Right. Um, it's, it's, it's a totally team friendly deal on Brunson. And so it's hard not to think about like, man, this is just not the best asset management in the history of the NBA. I liked the return for Brooklyn. I think it's a little bit difficult because I, I think Dorian Finney Smith is a very good defender. Hasn't been as good defensively this year as he was last year, but he's a very good wing defender. Uh Dimwoody's having a really strong season, shooting the heck out of the ball. He's been really good in Dallas. And that 2029 20, first round pick has real value. That's that's an unprotected, far out first round pick who the heck knows what the Dallas Mavericks are going to look like in 2029, who the heck knows if Luka Doncic is going to be on that team in 2029. They could be awesome. They could be terrible. The fact that it's unprotected means they could actually, the nets could just use that pick as well as maybe a couple of other picks that they got in the James Harden for Ben Simmons deal. Maybe they could use a couple of those and put the, put them together and trade for another star. They could do that too. And not actually ever make that pick. So they, they have some options. In being able to do that kind of stuff. I like the return for the nuts because they weren't in a position of value and they are in a position of leverage and they were still able to get all of that stuff. But it's still a little bit difficult to evaluate the trade completely when we truly don't know the full context. And I will give the full context of not knowing the full context, which is that less than a year ago, Kevin Durant asked for a trade. And as soon as Kyrie Irving... And they rescinded that request, right? As soon as Kyrie Irving asked out last week, everyone around the league is like, okay, well, what's that mean for KD? Because if KD's going to be available again, if KD was asking out last year when Kyrie was by his side and still there, then, oh crap, he might be asking out again. And if he's going to ask out again, how can we, unnamed team, position ourselves to be able to go get him when he does become available again, or if he does become available again. So there's all this speculation rampant around the league about what's going to happen with KD. And the Nets, I think, made a good deal for if they're keeping KD. They are operating like they think they're keeping KD. And they may very well be keeping KD. They may totally be right on that. I'm not saying that I know the answer. What I'm saying is, that package is a good package for putting around KD. I kind of like what they're doing where they have all of these good long defenders around KD. You've got Royce O'Neill there. You've got Nick Claxton there. Uh, you know, Woj reported yesterday that they you know, they're talking about Pascal Siakam. They clearly have a type that they're going for around KD, just these long wingy defenders who make a lot of sense around him. Now bring in Dorian Finney Smith. And you know, these guys, they make sense for the nets. They really do. I, I, I like, I think that's still a good roster. Like that's a good, that's a good team right there that could, that could make some noise. I really believe that. And they've got the guy who might be the best player in the world. So why the heck not? Uh, But until we know what's going to happen with KD, it's hard to evaluate this because if KD turns around and asks out tomorrow, KD turns around and asks out this summer, then you might be saying, man, that, that, that Kyrie package would have looked better if they did one that just had more more picks and young guys, right. as opposed to like helpful vets on midsize contracts. So, you know, m- maybe that'll be a little hindsight if it happens. But also, like, look, there are a lot of people who are just kind of waiting for that KD shoe to drop, and they may be wrong. I have no idea. I can't tell the future. But that I, that's going to be like a part of this, you know.
0: I think there's some people waiting for the new Kyrie uh, shoe to drop. Like, where is that coming from? Isn't that
2: isn't always
0: that his... waiting on that? Right, always, always waiting on that. Um. All right let let let's get to let's get to the main event because I know I've only got here for a few more minutes. The Wizards, like d- you were here, you saw them a couple weeks ago. Here and as you said, you you pay attention to them probably more than any any person should. Um. the the, the roster's turned over a bit since you were here? I mean, there's other than Brad. uh, I mean, I guess Denny was here, Um, but there's not a ton of other guys. It's like the joke right now is for me, at least is that the Lakers now have more players from the 2019, 20 wizards than the wizards do. That's not even counting Westbrook uh, showing up. Did it feel very different when you saw them, when you were around the team, or was it fairly deja vu, a team that is still sort of, in the back of the middle of the league sort of feigning. They're trying, but they're only really good. The eight seed playing kind of game range. Did it feel different or did it feel, yeah, this looks familiar.
2: You know, it was funny because the Lakers played in New York last week and I was in the locker room pregame and said hi to some of the guys who I covered in Washington there. And I was at Thomas Bryant's locker and we were just catching up and Thomas Bryan is this very energetic guy, right? Mm -hmm. Very energetic. And he's, he's smiley as always. And we're just talking, catching up. And I asked him, I was like, do you guys, have you guys talked about how you're just putting together the 2021 wizards? And he just gave me this look, which is the same look that every wizards fan and wizards reporter that I know gave me whether audibly or actually, or via text or whatever, you know, the look, everyone knows the look Mm -hmm. like, of course it's hilarious. And so weird that look. And I'm like, Oh, it was so funny to see that those guys think it's as, as really funny as, as, as kind of, we all do that the Lakers are just re-piecing together the 2021 wizards. I, I, I was joking around with Thomas Bryant that like, he's got to use his sway to get the Lakers to sign Isak Banga so so they can just piece together that starting lineup and we were laughing about that but yeah that is that is a weird a weird thing and it's also part of a perpetual piece of history where the lakers and wizards have just kind of been trading power forwards and centers amongst each other like dwight howard went to the went to the wizards and and javel mcgee went to the lakers and mo Wagner went to the wizards and Thomas well, they, Bryant they tri- went to the Wizards and then Thomas Bryant went back to the Lakers. And it's just, it's, it's, well, don't forget, it's been Kwame, going on in perpetuity.
0: Kwame Brown for Karan Butler, which really helped take that Gilbert Arenas, Antoine Jameson era up. I guess I, guess I could say up a notch, even though they didn't ultimately do much. But uh, yeah, very odd. It's to been say.
2: going on. It's been going on in perpetuity. So uh, in terms of the Wizards, yeah, look, they've had a lot of turnover. I think part of their issue has been that they've really struggled to pick and stick with an identity. They talk a lot about culture and continuity and all of that, but they've also had an unbelievable amount of turnover. So much turnover. I mean, they've had so many different identities in the last five years from Wall and Beal to just Beale because Wall got hurt. And then, um, you know, Beal in Westbrook and, you know, that, that weird season where they go on that run at the end of the year and, and, and get the eight seed. And, you know, they're just, you know, and then, then they have Beal and Dinwiddie, and then Dinwiddie's out, and then like it's I'm just Burton's. Porzingis. Cause, yeah, well, yeah, exactly. It's the Bertons thing. And then there's there's just Porzingis because Beal is out for the last, second half of last year, and then it's Beal and Porzingis and Kuzma learning to work together. And it's just like a lot of different identities, a lot of role players cycled in, cycled out, sometimes cycled in and out multiple times, had tip to ish Smith. And so it's just it's a lot of turnover. It's, it's hard. It's just hard to build that way. It's hard to build that way, but they're, I mean, look, Hey, they're trying to keep it together. They are trying.
0: So obviously you
2: can't call about Kuzma.
0: (laughs) Right. So when I listen to a lot of the national conversation about the trade deadline or the wizards in general, always circles back to Bradley Beal and this notion of, I mean, what are they doing? They're just going, you know, they're just in the play-in game situation. They should trade Beal, blah, 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 blah. I Not only do I think that ship has sailed, trading Bradley Beal now to me doesn't even mean that much because his contract is such you won't even get that much back, relatively speaking, to what you would have gotten a year or two ago. Um, But also, like, that's just not... It is a complete misread of what Ted Leontis is trying to accomplish. Now, if Beal at some point says, get me out of here, well, then that's maybe a different call. But that's not... Ted Leontes is not playing the same game as the rest of them in terms of trying to put together a team to actually contend. He's just trying to get one to, to be interesting enough to maybe make the playoffs, get enough people to show up, whatever. So when you hear and you talk to people about the Beal stuff, does it does it feel that way to you, too? It's like, what 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 are you talking about? That He's not going
2: anywhere. Well, first off, they can't train him now. Right. Because he... He has the no trade clause. Well, that, I mean, yeah, you know, that, like,
0: which is a whole other thing, but oh my Lord. Yeah, go ahead.
2: But that affects the guy's value. Yeah. You know, it's like in, the wizards were never, the wizards are never trading Bradley Beal on their own. And obviously they're not doing it now with the no trade clause. Clause Part part of the reason why I actually didn't think the no trade clause was as big of a deal as it was made out to be, it's a big deal in that he's literally the only player in the NBA to have a no trade clause. It's a big deal in that it was, it was symbolic of how much the wizards gave him that they gave him everything. But part of the reason why I thought functionally, it wasn't a huge deal is because I've never believed that the wizards would trade Beal on his own. Right. I I have always been of the belief that the only way that they will trade Beal is if Beal goes to them and says, I want out. And he has never done that. So it's never happened. Now, I'm not saying that that means that the tr- no trade clauses, take or leave it. It doesn't matter. Of course it matters. There could be things, things can change. It takes away all of your organizational flexibility. If you come to a situation where you're like, oh, wow, we have to be able to trade them there and Beale says no, then you're good. And also if he does ask out, he can now angle himself to whatever team that he wants in a way that he couldn't if he didn't have the no trade clause. So I'm not saying that it's nothing. I'm just saying that culturally, I have always been under the assumption that they're not going to do it. So I, I it's just... just it's not a thing that's in my calculus unless Beale expresses to them that he wants to go because, and that's just the reality of the situation. And now it's the contractual reality of the situation.
0: Um, all true. All right. Since I only have you for a couple more minutes, I'll just ask you a bunch of questions here really quick and just give me the yes, no Twitter sized answer. Uh, are the wizards going to do, I mean, there could be the most minor of trades at the deadline, but do you see the wizards doing anything of note here at the deadline?
2: I could see them trying to fix some stuff on the margins. Uh, You know, you ask around the league, teams that have talked to them. It's just everyone singing the same song. They don't want to trade Kuzma. They're trying to re-sign Kuzma. Uh, I'm sure they're going to offer him a really big contract this summer. Obviously, if he leaves, then that's going to be a real problem. But I'm getting Davis Berton's vibes from the whole thing, to be honest. Like, I remember the deadline leading up to, uh, you know, Berton's free agency. They were definitely receiving legitimate offers for Bertans and they were just swatting him away and saying they wanted to resign him. And then they paid him a lot of money that summer. And I just, I just feel Davis Burton's vibes on the Kuzma stuff too. I, I, they have to have some idea that they have a really good chance to resign him because there's just no way you could operate this way. If, if you didn't, you know, have some sort of informed opinion that you had a good chance to resign him. So I, I would imagine that would be the case. It would have to be, uh, I could see them making a move on the margins to get better. I I've heard that they've made some calls about certain role players, defensive-minded role players who have who who could help them. Uh you know, they're they're a little bit hampered by the fact that their 2023 protected first-round pick is owed to the Knicks and that's protected all the way out to 2026, which means that they are not uh you know able to trade a first-round pick until the 2028 draft which is a while, they can only trade one first. I, I think that might be part of their impetus in actually trying to make the playoffs this year. Not that they don't try to make the playoffs every year, but I do think that management there would would honestly like that pick to convey this season. Because I think in the outcome, what they would like is because they can't trade more, they can only trade one first round pick right now because of the way that pick is protected. I think they would really like to be able to have their full allotment of picks come the summer. And if that pick conveys this year, they'll be able to trade all of their draft picks for a big star if that star rises and then try to pair them potentially with Beal and with Porzingis and with Kuzma and with whomever else. And, and I think that's something that that they would, they would definitely prefer to be able to do. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if like that pick conveys and they were like, okay, great. Like, yeah, yeah. We lost our pick this year. That's fine. But now we can trade a bunch of picks for a star. I, I think that's, That's possibly, you know, it's one of many things that I think are on the table. But in terms of in the immediacy, the next two days before the deadline, it's possible they do nothing, but I I do think they've been active in in trying to talk uh just kind of about sort of, you know, bench players who could who could kind of reinforce the rotation, reinforce those bench minutes which which have been off at times and um, you know, hopefully Hopefully it can help them defensively at least. Although the defense has been good for the last, it's weird. You look at the metrics over the last two months and you're like, Oh, defense good over the last two months, top 10 defensive rating, net rating. Good. I think they're top 10 net rating over the last two months or something like that. And you look at the starting lineup and Oh, starting lineup. Really good. You look at the lineup numbers with Kuzma and and Gafford or um, Porzingis and Gafford on the floor together. Those lineups like wow they're crushing teams and you look at when they have their normal starting lineup like when they have when they have beal porzingis kuzma and morris on the floor they're killing teams they're like plus eight plus ten per 100 possessions they're killing teams and you look at it, it's like oh okay they're good and then you watch them and it's like they just blew two 20 point leads in a 26 hour span what the hell is happening here like what is going on it's such a weird wizardsy experience like that when you see them and they're like oh they won six and a-. like they are six and three in their last nine games but then you're like oh but those three
0: whew. yeah no it's, for- it's a
2: really weird experience it's
0: it, it's very it's very all right well, look I need to let you go I was going to ask you important questions like would you rather have Corey Kispert's jumper or hair I was going to ask you if if uh you, you hair. yours hair hair uh-
2: without a doubt hair
0: right it's, it's the not jumper. Even
2: close can i get the hair without the headband yeah yeah sure but but yeah hair on question that would be way more helpful for me in life than right having uh, the jumper uh, if i have the yeah. jumper i don't have anything else
0: right fair fair, fair fair enough And then i was gonna ask are you as high on denny avdia as the readers of the sports rabbi are but you know
2: i denny's been really good since the Rui trade uh Still is fouling too much. He like defends with his hands out too much, as opposed to his hands up or to his side. He's better at it than he used to be. still fouls too much. I think he's got really good defensive potential. He has been so good on the break. When he gets a defensive rebound and he goes, he's so fast in the open court. Uh, And I think he's done a pretty good job knowing when to leak out, that kind of stuff on the break too. He's been attacking more, rebounding well. The question for him is really if the jump shot is going to come. And you see every once in a while, you know, he'll he'll hit some catch and shoot threes, but you see every once in a while he'll, he'll pull up off the dribble from the top of the key. And you're like, Oh, that looked, that look pretty good. That looked pretty good. And you're like, man, if that, if those jumpers could ever become a thing, just shoot well enough to where people have to guard you out there. Uh, you know, he's still hesitant to shoot, catch and shoot threes, and that kind of stuff. Like, shoot well enough to where people have to guard you. He's big, he's fast, he can handle. And he's, he's, he's very clever on the court. So like if, if he could get them to guard, you get them to close out. And then you don't even have to shoot all the time. Just attack those closeouts. He'll be able to drive by people a lot. He's really, he's got a really quick first step and he's, and he's fast. And once he gets by his defender, now all of a sudden you've got Denny playmaking 18 then 17 then 16 then 15 feet from the paint. And You got something or you got a big, fast, strong guy going downhill at the rim and you got to try to stop him. And that's difficult, too. So I think Denny has a chance to be a really, really nice I think He's already a good player. I think he has a chance to to be a really nice contributor. Um, But but it will really come down to what level I think will come down to will guys guard him on the perimeter. We're starting to see him adjust more to other ways to score when they don't. I think he's a little bit of a better cutter now. Uh, I think he's, 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 he he's, he's more of a slicer, uh, you know, around screens and that kind of stuff, which is, is good. You'll, you'll see him take advantage of, of that kind of stuff more often. And and like I said, I think he's really good in the open court now, uh, but we'll see, but he's been really good since the Rui trade, the fouling, the fouling has got to cut down.
0: Got, got to cut down. Um, what, what, what else is that? That was supposed there? to be a quick hit. Yeah, look, oh, you, you you know, you, you blew past a third base coach uh, trying to tell you to stop. But look, you know, you're you know your kit trying to run over her sister in a league of their own. It's all it's all good.
2: I have look, I I don't get to spew my wizards takes that often. Uh, this hey, is I why sit we're at home, and I I watched them let like, go of a twenty point lead to the Nets, and I'm like, I have no one to talk about this with.
0: Uh, this is this is uh this is why we're here this is why I, I'm, I'm on like multiple threads with you we're pretty much at the 80 of the conversations of the wizard which is just stupid um okay anyway fred uh, at fred Katz on twitter and you know look even if you're not like into the knicks per se what's so good about fred is so many what he writes is it may be centric to the team he covers but it expands to so many topics league-wide that it makes for interesting reads regardless of your uh fan interest uh so go read him on the athletic Follow him there, and you know if you give me some enough support, we'll get him back here before next season, right? I mean, so you know, to tell me, you know, you need more friend in, in your world, we'll we'll make it happen. Um, my guy, appreciate it. Stay safe with in, under uh, that Knicks regime, which is a nutty one, and uh, we'll talk
2: soon. Thanks for having me, man. I was excited to come on.